Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you're in the right place. I always promise you are, and I always deliver. We have an interesting topic today. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. You say tomato, I say tomato. No, I didn't sing it. What in the world is she talking about? Okay, let's put two words side by side. Let's juxtapose them, and let's see if you can figure out what entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship have to do with each other. Well, there's a difference of the first five letters. One is I-N-T-R-A and the other is E-N-T-R-E. If you know French, you might be able to figure it out. They sound alike. Are they the same? Not exactly. Let's level set. Let's set the record straight. Simply put, now listen up closely, an intrapreneur, I-N-T-R-A, behaves like an entrepreneur, E-N-T-R-E, while they're employed in a large organization. Okay, just digest that for a second. Is this a good thing? We think so. Why is it good? Well, smart enterprises around the world are implementing what we're going to call people-centric entrepreneurship approaches. And why? Because they integrate entrepreneurship, that style, there's risk-taking, there's motivation, there are great rewards because they want to develop radical innovations in-house. Innovation is our keyword because you're listening to us here on Innovating Innovations with Game Changers. It all sounds great, but big question is, how does your organization figure it out? Can you adopt the best practices of the companies that are already doing it well? And is it really worth your while? We think the answer is yes. I am going to introduce you to a panel of three very, very smart gentlemen who practice this. They understand it. They know what it's all about. Let me just tell you first who's on the panel today. And they're all previous guests on this and other Game Changers radio shows. First up, I'll be speaking with Professor Rajiv Srinivasan, an adjunct faculty in innovation at the Indian Institute of Management in Bangalore, and he's also the chief consultant running an electronics hardware incubator set up by the Indian government. Joining him on the panel will be Siraj Sudhi, an alumni of the SAP Entrepreneurship Program, aha, practicing what we preach, and third on the panel, we're just lucky to have him, that's his nickname, it's Lakshman Pachanila Seshadri, and he just goes by Lucky. He's the Chief Consultant Services Innovation of SAP Consulting. So let me dial back, circle back, if you will, to we're just going to call him Professor Rajiv. It's easier that way. Professor Rajiv has sent me a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Look way back in the lore of literature. Ralph Waldo Emerson lived from 1803 to 1882. Professionally known as Waldo. I didn't know that. He was an American essayist, lecturer, and poet who led the transcendentalist movement of the mid-19th century. He was seen as a champion of individualism. I think that's why Rajiv has picked this quote. And a prescient critic of the countervailing pressures of society. Let's just leave it at that. And his big break in literature was the 1836 essay called Nature. Here's the quote Rajiv has selected from Mr. Emerson. What lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. And when we bring what is within us out into the world, miracles happen. It's a miracle we got the three of you back together. Rajiv, how have you been? Not too bad, Bonnie, and you? 
Glad to have you. Very glad to have you on. Thank you very much. So talk to me. Are you a big fan of Ralph Walder Emerson? Yeah, he's, as a transcendentalist, uh, he sort of merged uh, Indian, or rather Eastern wisdom, with uh, Western wisdom. And, you know, he, he spent some years in uh, Walden Pond. Uh, uh, that, sorry, that is Thoreau. But Thoreau, Emerson, all these people uh, brought a streak of philosophizing to the, the more very practical approach that Americans typically have. And that's why I like this quote, because you know, the thing that he says, that which is within us, the most important thing, and it can create these miracles. And I see that as very, very applicable in our context today, because often you find that uh, companies and also individuals are unaware of the kinds of talents and the kinds of... Uh, genius that resides within them, and it usually takes some kind of an emergency uh, or, you know, some kind of out-of-the-box um, situation to bring mm-hmm. that out. And that can often lead to something really remarkable, which uh, the individual or the company had not expected. So that's why I thought, uh, you know, the, the philosopher's quotation was so particularly apt. It, it certainly is apt, and when I was reading through the bio of uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Rajiv, and I noticed that concept that he was a big proponent of individualism, th- that seems to, in many ways, Rajiv, go counter to the culture in many corporations. And, and tell me if you agree or feel free to disagree with me, that we are told you will sit here or you will work these hours, this is your job, this is your role, these reports are due, you have to turn in certain amount of work. Traditionally, we have not been encouraged to be individuals within the corporate setting. Am I right about that? So this is this is new. Well, A little bit of co- comment on that? Yeah. That, yeah. That, see, it's traditionally been, uh, you know, we've, we've read about the company man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the suit. and or, or in Japan, you have these people who die of, you know, overwork, and they work for the same company for 30, 40 years, their entire career, and so forth. But that's changing, you know, especially as you have these millennials. Millennials tend to be far more loyal to their career or to their area of competence than to individual companies. And I lived in Silicon Valley for a long time, and there it was the case that uh, if you were with a company for more than two years, people would look kind of funny at you and say, wait, why, you cannot get another job or what? Why are you sticking with the same company? (laughs) And uh, I had... uh, I mean, a remarkable experience of explaining to my parents in India that, uh, you know, I, I'm changing jobs. And they said, what? You just got there. You know, how can you change? They had <laughs> how many, Rajiv, how many years was time. it when you, when you decided to change jobs? How many years was it that your parents were so surprised? Uh, well, I had worked for two or three years in a company, and they were okay. horrified because my parents, were both, <laughs> they were both professors, and they'd worked in the same university or, I don't know, 35 years or something. So they said, oh, wow. how can you do this? But I'm seeing that, it's, that that's changing. And, and also, you know, in many ways, people are cultivating rebellious people, okay, instead of saying, look, you're a misfit or whatever. And I read somewhere recently that uh, you know, it, it may be a surprise to uh, some of us to hear this, that even though the, the main cohort in uh, technology companies in uh, Silicon Valley consists of, Technical people, right? It'll be engineers, mm-hmm. computer scientists, etc. Right. Apparently, they're going out and hiring a number of um, fine arts and humanities people because hmm. 
they have a completely different perspective that they bring to the picture. So, you know, the, the pursuit of difference, you know, you don't want everybody to be uh, the same as everybody else. And, you know, Lakshman and I, we teach a course on design thinking, and he's an mm-hmm. expert on design thinking. And there we talk about T-shaped people rather than I-shaped people. That is, an I-shaped people, person is someone who is deep and narrow, and a T-shaped person is one who is broad and shallow. And those people tend to be less satisfied with being company men because they have many interests and they want to integrate them together. That's a new concept for me. We'll have to talk more about that later. And thank you for bringing in the idea of design thinking. I was going to mention that. Rajiv, a pleasure to have you back. And now let me welcome our second panelist. You're, you're a compatriot as well, Siraj Suji, an alumni of the SAP Entrepreneurship Program. Siraj sent me a quote from an inanimate object. We've never had a quote from an inanimate object, Siraj. <laughs> but I said, I love the quote, so we'll do it anyway. And the inanimate object is the fortune cookie. Crunch, crunch, crisp, crisp, yum, yum. Fortune cookie. And I'm I'm actually going to tell you the background, Siraj, so indulge me for a second here. Fortune cookie, for those of you who are in a part of the world where they may not have them or you missed that part of the menu, is a crisp cookie usually made from flour, sugar, vanilla, and sesame seed oil with a little piece of paper inside, which is a fortune on which an aphorism or a vague prophecy is printed. It usually includes a Chinese phrase with the translation and or a list of lucky numbers. Lucky, we're talking about you. Used by some people as lottery numbers, and some have actually won the lottery with the Chinese fortune cookie numbers. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to use them. Fortune cookies are often served as a dessert, and they're usually free in Chinese restaurants in the U.S. and some other countries. But here's a trivia note. They are not used in China. The exact origin of fortune cookies is unclear, though various immigrant groups in California claim to have popularized them in the early 20th century. Makoku. Makoto Hajiwara of Golden State Park's Japanese Tea Garden in San Francisco said he was the first person in the U.S. to have served the modern version of the fortune cookie. I'm just going to leave it there. There are two other people who claim it was their idea. Here's the quote that in the fortune cookie apparently that Siraj recently opened. Live out your imagination instead of out of your memory. Live out of your imagination instead of out of your memory. Siraj, thank you for that very profound quote. Talk to me. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> very good, very good. Pony. It's a pleasure to be back here. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you, and you made me smile. You know, normally I say, no, I need a quote from a person, a book, a, a song, a play, a show, something. And here comes Fortune Cookie. I said, you know what? I'm going to play. I'm going to play the way you want me to play. So there, did you know all that about the Fortune Cookie, Shiraj? Yeah, so some parts of it, yes. I have been, I have opened multiple fortune cookies in the past, so definitely that part of it, but not the history of the fortune cookie the way you said it right now. (laughs) I'm glad I added a little value here. So talk to me. Is this your favorite fortune cookie quote, or did you just make this up and say it was in a fortune cookie? Tell me the truth. No, no, no. So I I got it in one of the restaurants when I was having dinner, so that point of time, it was an interesting quote, but it didn't make any sense. I mean, it was in a different context. But when this topic came about, about entrepreneurship, I kind of related back to this specific quote, and I thought this was the most apt <clears throat> way of uh, talking about what an entrepreneur feels, right? That, that is the motivation of entrepreneurship for an entrepreneur. And I, being already going through this, such a journey, actually could relate to it very well. So this is definitely from that perspective that I said this is the most apt quote for what an entrepreneur would feel. Well, you know something? I want to know what were the numbers on that fortune cookie because I want to play them. (laughs) 
We must have a Mega Millions lottery coming up here soon in New York. By the way, I just jumped back from my desk a second ago. I hope this amuses my three panelists. Does anybody know the uh, the nursery rhyme, Little Miss Muffet? Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet eating her curds and whey. Along came a spider and sat down behind her, uh, beside her. I just had a spider on a long web come down from the ceiling in my office and just it, it just twinkle wow. in front of me. I jumped back. I didn't stop talking. I had a paper towel here, and now he's uh, uh, roadkill. So what can I tell you? But that's the first time that's happened in five years. What can I say? So I didn't have a fortune cookie here. Maybe you would have eaten the fortune cookie. Siraj, thank you so much. I still want those numbers, though. You owe me the numbers. Let's turn to our lucky one, Lakshman Pachanela Sahadri, and I'm allowed to call him lucky because he is. And Lucky has sent me a quote from an article in Fast Company. The article was May 18, 2015, written by Allison Kruger. The article is entitled The Rise of the Entrepreneur, very appropriate. Uh, and the title of the, the whole thing was The New Rules of Work, The Rise of the Entrepreneur. And let me just read one or two sentences from the article, Lucky, if you don't mind. She says, never before has there been such a push for employees to take ownership of their own corner of a company. This isn't employees trying to do better at their existing jobs or move up the ladder. This is them wanting to create something new that doesn't currently exist. I think that really exemplifies it. So this is part of the quote you sent me. Never before has there been such a push for employees to take ownership of their own corner of a company. Lucky, welcome back. How have you been? Oh, wonderful, Bonnie. Really good. Glad, always glad to talk to you. And I, by the way, I have pictures of all three of you here, and you're all smiling. So I'm, I'm pretending you're here in the room with me, along with the spider that sat down beside me. So, Lucky, tell me, this article is so perfect because that's what we're talking about, intrapreneur versus entrepreneur. So talk to me about how you picked this quote. Yeah, this is uh, quite uh, relevant, and it's very uh, appropriate in the context today. Therefore, I picked up this quote. Um, uh, this phenomenon of uh, entrepreneurship is um, already per, no, is pervading all across many organizations and um, <clears throat> many larger organizations. Therefore, um, um, uh, this is very true as well because there you can see um, the current millennials as well as um, the white generation people, uh, employees in organizations, they are <clears throat> getting restless, particularly people who are doing high-performing people and... Um, who don't like bureaucracy and who don't like um, paper pushing. So they like mm -hmm. to do something different. They want to be independent, and um, they like to prove something that they could accomplish something for their organization as well as them, for themselves. So they would like to accomplish something in life, uh, uh, not only the corner of the company, I mean the corner uh, room of the company, but much more in, in terms of achievements. So entrepreneurship provides you that opportunity. And many many large companies, as I said, um, uh, right from IBM, Accenture, Coca-Cola, SAP, Intuit, and um, many of the um, um, uh, manufacturing companies as well have started uh, entrepreneurship as uh, uh, one of the key models of innovation. One is to have your own in-house innovation, but then to make it faster Entrepreneurship is another way of doing it. It's a new model that's now emerging. And I think many other companies have started um, adopting them because there's no choice now. And you have uh -huh. to have them. You have to keep these guys. Uh, yeah, ignore, you know, to keep these guys, these high-performing guys happy. At the same time, companies have to survive. So entrepreneurship is one way of keeping themselves ahead. 
that's the way I, I look at it. Thank you, Lucky. Very interesting. I have a question for the whole panel. Let me start with Lucky before we get to what's in your cup today and where exactly are you calling from. Gentlemen, I'm wondering, when companies like the ones Lucky just mentioned are hiring, does it go into the job description that's posted on a social job board or, uh, I don't know, on, on monster.com or wherever, or a career builder, wherever they are posting the listing for the opening, or LinkedIn perhaps, do they say, Intrapreneurs welcome, or if you have an intrapreneurial slash entrepreneurial spirit, you're the one we're looking for. That's a plus. You're the one we want to hire. Let's start with Lucky. Lucky, is that actually in job descriptions, or is it something more subtle that happens once you get to the interview? What, what's your observation? Uh, it is uh, both, Bonnie. Um, at least in the current um, uh, period, I would say in the last couple of years, um, what you said is true. They, uh, many of the large companies are trying to attract such talents. Um, that is um, definitely happening. Uh, like uh, if you said the Google kind of companies, or uh, I already mentioned a few other companies. Um, but then um, there are also other uh, the traditional companies who try to pick up some uh, smart and high-performing employees, although this is going to be a bit of a challenge for them because these high-performing guys are already doing pretty well and um, uh, making their areas of work much better, pulling them out and then giving them a, a new uh, challenge, uh, that's going to be a, uh, another big task uh, or could be another big challenge. So that, that is something they have to do some balancing, but both mm-hmm. do exist. Uh, but Thank newer you companies, ver- uh, yep. uh, wherever they can't pull out the existing talents, uh, what you said is true. That's already happening. In, Thank you, I Lucky. I was... In our own organization. Yeah. 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 In our own organization, it does happen, and uh, we do recruit such people. Thank you. Very interesting. That's, that's a reality check I wanted to know. Professor Rajiv, what's your observation? You agree with Lucky, what he's seeing? Yeah, I, broadly, yes. I have almost never seen a job description anywhere that says intrapreneurs wanted. But I have seen... Occasionally, you know, entrepreneurial spirit welcome or, or words to that effect. But I've, I've never, literally never seen a job description which is intrapreneur because that is a, a little bit of a double-edged sword in, in the sense that if you say you're looking for, you know, the, these people, as we discussed, as we also said, these are somewhat disruptive people, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you uh, don't want to you know, send out the message that you're looking for disruptive people, right? Uh, but so, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subtle thing more than, you know, something that's made explicit. But when, you, when you're interviewing people, uh, you do try to find the people who uh, are not conformist. You know, you want the non-conformist, but not too many of them. And, of course, you want to have the majority of your staff still being, you know, pretty much routine, uh, standard, you know, average, regular people. But you do want to pick up the occasional um, uh, rebel. Now, the, the only problem with that, of course, is that uh, the rebels, you know, and I have a close friend. He's, he's an old, dear friend of mine. He's essentially unmanageable, okay? Because he's a very good technical person, but he will spend just enough time and effort on his assigned task. But then he's mm-hmm. spending the rest of his time and his energy on these other things, and he's, you know, quite helpful to other people, but I'm sure his managers have a hard time managing him because he's not putting his heart and soul into his assigned task, right? 
And uh, th- that is a bit of a problem. And th- let me give you one more uh, data point on this. There are mm-hmm. several companies, for example, 3M comes to mind, or uh, Google, or, or perhaps even Intuit. These companies have deliberately set aside, say, one day out of the week. Okay? It's your time. You know, four days out of the week, you do the company work, and on the fifth day, you go invent something new. Okay? And hopefully, out of these efforts, some uh, a new thing will come out. And uh, one example I can think of is Google News. You know, the news aggregation that Google does? That was a project mm-hmm. that somebody just took on in their 20% time. Right? Hmm. So... There are even sort of semi-formal mechanisms people are using to encourage this, but uh, um, it, yeah, as I said, I don't really see it that much in the uh, or at all in the job description itself. Thank you. And by the way, gentlemen, I have to tell you that the the uh, nescence, the creation of Game Changers Radio, as I reflect on what you have already said, Professor Rajiv and Lucky and Siraj. I was being an entrepreneur, and I didn't even know the word at the time. This was done over the years as about 40% of my official job, and I just kept pushing it and pushing it and growing and building it. It wouldn't be here if I didn't have that building something within the company. That's how we got to be, and now we have over we have almost a quarter of a million listeners a year in over a 1,000 places around the world, and I get to talk to really smart people like the three of you, so I didn't know I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I knew you I knew I was learned. a there you are. You are I knew I was yeah. a rebel, but I didn't know I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> I have to tell my current boss who yeah. rescued me and said, You can do this a hundred percent of the time. We think you're doing a great job. I have to tell him he hired an entrepreneur. I, <laughs> I'm delighted. That's why the well, spider great. sat down beside me a moment ago. Thank you, Rajiv. Uh Siraj, I have to get well, you in on this great discussion. What do you observe, Siraj, in terms of do we say Hiring entrepreneurs this month. Hurry up while the spots are available. What do you see? So uh, I would have to agree most, mostly with Rajiv. I think it is typically, I have not seen uh, specific uh, job descriptions which says uh, entrepreneurs welcome or come over to the company. But I think uh, it has been more specific, like, for example, entrepreneurs in residence. These kind of hirings did happen. I have seen that in the past. And I think uh, classically it is because I think this pretty much is a, the, the term, as you said, is a pretty new term. I think what you said very clearly was in the past, entrepreneurship would be probably called a rebel. And that's what you said. You you were a rebel and now you will be called an entrepreneur instead of that. So, <laughs> so I think from that perspective, this is, this is pretty new. We have coined a new word. So essentially, it is a new phenomenon which is coming up right now. I love it. it. (laughs) Thank you. I didn't realize I would be, uh, this is like a therapy session for me. Now I understand what was (laughs) happening. Thank you, gentlemen. And now now you've all earned the right to tell me where exactly you're calling from. I know all three of you are somewhere in India. We're going to go around the table and ask where you're calling from, what time of day or evening it is, and what you're drinking. This is the segment of the show called What's in Your Cup Today, or What Are You Thinking About Drinking Later? So, Professor Rajiv, tell me, please. Yeah, uh, Bonnie, uh, I'm in Trivandrum in southern India, and uh, uh, it's it's almost 8 p.m. now. I had my dinner, and I'm just having a, uh, a cup of green tea. The green tea is not particularly interesting, but the cup I have is actually, in my opinion, rather interesting because mm-hmm. it says on it, KQED Forum. And KQED is a radio station in San Francisco 
which I used to listen to when I was living there uh, some years ago. And I've continued to follow them on Twitter. And I've yeah. become one of their, you know, biggest fans. And uh, in fact, um, if I'm not the biggest fan in South India, uh, I'm probably their only fan in South India, which they realized. <laughs> and then they reached out to me. Okay. And, and uh, they were kind enough to uh, send me a, uh, a very nice mug, right? Uh, Beautiful mug. I'm very happy uh, with that. And they sent me a couple of other things, which my children swiped right away. But uh, I'm of left course. with this. And what I found, what I found interesting, is that um, this is a wonderful station, KQED, and they have this program called Forum, where they have a lot of uh, uh, excellent interviews. You may have a couple of experts, and sort of like this program, talking about a topic, and it's very well mm-hmm. researched and so forth. So I thoroughly enjoy listening to the podcast. So. And there is a little sweetener for me in, in terms of you know, ben being kind enough to send me a, a mug. I'm very fond of I, it. I love it. I, I think I have a Game Changers mug. If you didn't get one from the last time you were on, remind me and send me an address, and we'll ship one to you, Rajiv, as well as to Siraj and Lucky. I By must- the way, you, you have yeah. to have one. Rajiv, this station you mentioned, this program is so famous, it's actually on Wikipedia. You know I was going to look it up. Forum is a two-hour live call-in radio program produced by KQED-FM, presenting discussions of local, state, national, and international issues and in-depth interviews. It began in 1990 as a politics-oriented talk show created and hosted by Kevin Persglove. Since 1993, it has been hosted by scholar, author, professor, and former KGO host Michael Krasny, who broadened the scope to a cross-section of current events. It generally involves an in-person interview followed by public Q&A via phone or email with one or more subjects. The program airs two hours on weekday mornings with an hour repeated in the evening. So there. Thank you for the reference. I'm going to have to find a way to tune in and tell them I know their most famous listener in India. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm talking with very... Oh, my goodness. Maybe yeah. you're a rebel. You need to start a rebel a rebel cause to listen to the forum. <laughs> and let's find out, Siraj, where are you? Siraj, what city are you in and what's in your cup today? What do you drink? You know, more and more people on the show are telling me what the the vessel for their drink is. So this is not unusual, Rajiv, to have somebody describe the mug. I'm going to have okay. to say, what's in your, what's your mug look like today? Which is a, an act, a, a, yes, for face. Go ahead. Siraj, what are you drinking? <laughs> Yeah, so so uh, so I am sitting in Bangalore in the SAP office here. So the line is pretty clear from here. Yes. Uh, with respect to what I am drinking, I'm actually not drinking anything right now. But I wish I were actually drinking a specific kind of coffee, uh, which is called. Uh, it is in in our local language called chuku coffee, which means it is made from ginger coffee and then a couple of other ingredients. Very good for the throat. It helps relieve you of. Uh, cuffs, it helps you relieve you of uh, throat infections and even some sort of irritated throats as well. So that is what I'm looking forward to drinking once I go back home after the show is over with. Well, I appreciate that very much. Do you have a favorite radio show you listen to besides Game Changers, Siraj? Uh, nothing at the usual fare, which is, which, which is Radio 91 FM or something like that. Okay, good cost, to know. And yep. by the way, Rajiv, I found the Twitter handle for KQED, and I'm sending, I'm putting that into a tweet here so that they'll know that we're talking to okay. you. How's that? Okay, good. And <laughs> so, so I just, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just to just to add, so uh, since uh, Rajiv said he was from Trivandrum, there is actually a radio station uh, in that part of uh, the uh, that part of the state which is called Radio Mango. 
which is mm-hmm. uh, the reason why yeah. I remember this name very well. One is because the name is Radio Mango. And secondly, they had a very interesting ad when they actually came on, on, on air uh, at that point of time. So what they did was they basically calculated distances between two places in terms of number of songs that would be required to reach that destination. So a distance of 100 kilometers may be, let's say, three songs away or four songs away, and that's how they captured the attention of the people. And then they became pretty popular there right now. Very interesting. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. This is too much fun. And now let's turn to, who do we get? We got a drink from Rajiv, and we got one from Siraj. Lucky, you're Lucky up next. What are you drinking? Where are you calling from today, Lucky, please? Um, I, I'm from uh, Bangalore, calling from Bangalore, from home, uh, Bonnie, and I have a very special tea. So this is uh, made out of ginger, mint, and uh, lemon, lemon uh, juice, so lemon drops, uh, fresh lemon. So... This is very, very uh, refreshing and uh, energizing and um, very healthy as well. (laughs) This is my favorite one. I have it uh, one in the morning and one in the evening. Uh, Although it's too late, uh, this is the third time I'm having Um, (laughs) because we started the uh, program quite late in the evening. So. Well, thank you for <laughs> joining us. I'm glad you're healthy, Lucky. We need to keep you healthy. We we here we have rebels. We have uh, I versus T people. We've got <laughs> entrepreneurs. We've got how to manage them. How hard and how what can companies do? Maybe uh, after they all listen to this show, Rajiv and Siraj and Lucky, maybe they'll start putting entrepreneurs wanted, but only a few in their job ads. That would be interesting. Our topic today is the entrepreneurship journey, highs and lows. We're going to get into that in more depth after we take a break. So I want to give my three esteemed panelists all calling so late from India, and we do appreciate your time. And a shout-out also to Aski Olmez at SAP for putting this wonderful panel together and great topic. And a shout-out also to Michelle Serrier, formerly of SAP, now the the uh, principal of InnoLifters, who is probably listening and who started this program with me about three years ago, Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. I'm going to give you all a chance to take a pause that refreshes, have a drink, come back in about 75 seconds. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Justin out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. I, I think we're innovating live radio today. I have three rebels on the show with me. They, they are outspoken, they are creative, they're interesting, and we're trying to figure out the entrepreneurship journey. If you missed the opening of the show, we're talking about entrepreneurs, that entrepreneurial spirit that is allowed to blossom and be productive and creative and find exciting, maybe radical innovations inside a company. You're not on your own, but you have that spirit. You're employed in some fashionful time or contractor you work for someone for a living but they invite you or they tolerate you bringing that rebel spirit and creative energy to the table under the domain of their organization i hope i said that well we're talking today with i'll just give you their first names professor rajiv i think they're all professors suraj and lucky lakshman and now it's time for us to officially start the round table but i think we all know we started it about 20 minutes ago so let's talk about the second part of the topic the entrepreneurship journey, the highs and the lows. We're going to look at who these people are and what it's like for them in that organization, and let's see the ups and downs. So Professor Rajiv told me the following in his notes. He says, I currently work with a lot of entrepreneurs who have raw energy, I like that, raw energy and ideas, but not sufficient awareness of the difficulty of going from prototype to product as part of the process of incubation. So Rajiv, why don't you take it and run with us for two minutes, run with this, and tell us how this entrepreneur with the raw energy translates into an entrepreneur and the highs and lows. Rajiv, go ahead. Right, Bonnie. Um, uh, I'm running this uh, incubator for electronics products, and so we have a lot of applicants and we select them after a fairly stringent review process. And uh, then, you know, it takes them some time. You know, we give them roughly two years to go through the process of incubation. And at the end of it, they have to exit, you know, and, and go find their own uh, investors and then go, go to market, etc. So while we're going through this, I get a diverse mix of people. You know, some are fresh out of college. Some are people mm-hmm. who have worked for a few years. And there is a substantial difference between the two. The people who have worked for some time know a lot more about the realities of uh, what they're attempting and the fact that it's really, really difficult to you know, make an entrepreneurial venture succeed. Now, we also have some people who are coming in from our industry partners. And I think it's a very good situation for them because their companies have recognized that these people have good ideas but those ideas may not immediately fit into their product plan. However, they realize that these are good people and good ideas. And, you know, there is a lot of uh, uh, history behind uh, companies letting fantastic uh, entrepreneurs walk away and then regretting it, you know, greatly afterwards. Mm-hmm. One example was uh, the person who founded Xerox, and I don't have his name, but he used to work for IBM. And one day he shows up uh, to work and tells his boss, boss, I have this great idea, you know, I can make uh, copies. And his boss really didn't think it was such a great idea. So he went away, and the rest is history. The same thing happened to uh, 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 Steve Jobs and Steve um, Bosniak of Apple Mm -hmm. at at, uh, Hewlett-Packard. You know, they went to Hewlett-Packard with their idea of a personal computer, and Hewlett-Packard basically said, nah, not interesting, you know, and so they walked out. These days, 
all the managers have you know, gone through their MBAs and they know these stories. So they, are, they try hard to keep these, uh, these people on board because what they're talking about, and, and, and the, the, there is this theory of radical innovation, which is originally uh, uh, created by Professor uh, Chris Christensen at, at Harvard, and he says um, companies by nature are conservative, and so they would like to do little incremental innovation. And that's how companies are, you know, the DNA of companies is. The radical innovation, however, is a thing that will save them in the long run. Because if they do not, you know, disrupt their own product lines, somebody else will. So the point here is why not let that somebody be their own person? And Hewlett Packard, you know, all that just gave a story about them missing out on Steve Jobs and Wozniak. They also did a very good job with one of their divisions, which is their printer division. The printer business mm-hmm. has been one of their big success stories. And that was started as an entrepreneurial venture far away from headquarters. It was in Boise, Idaho, you know, really a long way uh, from uh, uh, Palo Alto, California, right? So that was mm-hmm. an entrepreneurial success story. So, so what, we're, what I'm telling my partners is that, uh, you know, you please send your intrapreneurially talented people to my incubator so they can mix with the young raw talent and both will benefit. Thank you very much, Rajiv. I was trying to look up while you were speaking, look up the person. Was it Joseph C. Wilson, the one who started Xerox? I don't know if he came from IBM. I'm looking at a lot of history here, and I'm not sure I found the right person. Steve Jobs and Xerox, the truth okay. about innovation. Um, let's see, uh, right. as big as I... Yeah, we'll, we'll find out the name. Thank you very much. Great, great insights yeah. there. Siraj, why don't you join this conversation, Siraj? And what are your thoughts about this, this raw energy from entre- entrepreneurs bringing them in? side and not understanding the incubation process. Suraj? Yeah, so I think uh, there are, I mean, uh, having gone through this whole process, uh, mm-hmm. both from as, as when I initially joined the company and had a lot of different ideas to right now where, I mean, I have, as, as uh, like similar to what Raj you said, I have done my MBA and have been part of multiples of these projects. So I think there is a fair mix. I think there's a great mix of trying to blend ideas when people are very young versus what somebody brings in when they are a bit more older in terms of especially when they have worked in a company. Uh, so the uh, so interesting part is many of the breakthroughs which has happened has always happened by very young people, right? I mean, the sense Facebook, which completely is a new idea at that point of time, or a couple of the other uh, interesting uh, things like the way Microsoft came in, happened because they were young, they were energy, they didn't know how the world really worked, and then essentially, basically, they found out a way of doing that. So that is something which is very unique, and that's something which is highly valuable, which can be brought into uh, to the uh, to somebody who comes from a different company as well. So when you are in a company for a long period of time, one of the key things which starts happening is that you also start getting a little bit straight-jacketed in terms of the thought processes which are there. So when you actually merge these two uh, folks together as the way Rajiv does it in his incubation model, it starts opening up possibilities. One is to bring the relevant experience, and other side is to really bring back the real thing of thinking out of the box, which, were, which over a period of time you start getting it within a limited time space, a limited space, basically. So I think that that's definitely a great idea, which which goes through to building both for the company as well as for the young entrepreneurs who come across. 
Thank you very much, Siraj. Love to get Lucky's point of view on this. Lucky, join us, please. Lucky, Lucky. Um, true, very true. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, okay, um, very true, um, what Suraj said. And uh, um, I've also been um, um, going through this journey internally within SAP, uh, mentoring um, some of the teams, so which um, um, those teams who have been um, coming with some very good ideas and then wanting to make it happen. And... Um, Therefore, uh, no. You can see the spirit. You can see the, uh, the 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 winning spirit, and then wanting to make it happen. Um, while that is there, uh, I would also like to um, quote about one interesting um, example, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, something which everybody knows um, about this kind of a spirit and this kind of a culture that's uh, uh, got to be there to make uh, entrepreneurship happen. Uh, one of the great examples is Virgin Atlantic. Uh, you may you know you run a great airlines, and um, we know only about airlines. Many people uh, outside U.S. know it's more like, more about airlines, but um, it is close to more than 200 companies. The Virgin Group, and then um, you can see the kind of culture, the kind of um, management style, uh, and the employee, um, uh, the employee. Um, um, uh, the attitude, so the, the passion to do something different and wanting to make a difference, right? So uh, that has made uh, Virgin Atlantic whatever it is today. And uh, there is one interesting um, example, again, from the Virgin Atlantic itself, um, uh, in terms of entrepreneurship. There is one, this young um, a designer, uh, he's called as Joe Ferry. So what happened is... Um, Virgin Atlantic had a big um, bunch of issues on the design of their um, other uh, big expensive seats, which goes into their upper-class cabins. So while they were grappling with this big issue, this young um, Joe Ferry volunteered to crack that and um, uh, come out with some very good design. So they gave him this job. And then um, uh, being enthusiastic and being very motivated, he did that. And then um, he came out with this... Um, a beautiful herringbone configured, um, oh, the slipper suites, which is now talked about all over the U.S. and uh, whoever has been traveling Virgin, they talk about it. So then it became a separate business by itself. You see, so all this is possible because of the management style, the employee attitude, and um, therefore the culture employee you know, makes a very big difference to make this entrepreneurship happen. So that's my take here. Thank you, Lucky. I want to circle back around to Rajiv. Rajiv, you want to quickly sum this up, wrap it up with a nice innovative red bow or whatever color innovation is today, and then we're going to move on to a topic from Siraj's list. So, Rajiv, let, let's just wrap this one up. Yeah, I, the, there are some real advantages that entrepreneurs have. Uh, one is that, you know, they have access to a number of entities inside a company that, for example, can help them with industrial design. Many entrepreneurs have no idea how to do, you know, the mechanical design so that it looks good and it's functional and beautiful, etc. Right? These are specialized skills. Another would be, for example, uh, certification. Right? If you want to send out a, an electronic product, it has to be certified to be safe, and that's not something that you know you can do as an individual. You have to take it to a testing lab. Now, if you are an entrepreneur, okay, you have access to this ecosystem that can do a lot of these things for you. 
And then let's not forget, the most important thing in many, in many cases is the money. If you're an entrepreneur, you are taking much less of a risk in some sense that instead of having to go convince a venture capitalist who, you know, and you know venture capitalists are notoriously tight-fisted, instead of that, you may only have to convince an internal uh, venture capitalist or an internal, uh, you know, financier to give you sufficient money. And I've seen this happening a lot in companies where they have a program, a very formal program to encourage innovation, and they'll do it in stages. That is, first, they'll give you just enough money to, uh, or resources to come out with a preliminary, uh, uh, you know, a proof of concept. And once that is successful and people think it's good, then they give a little bit more money to now build a prototype. And only then, uh, after they have convinced themselves that it's a good idea, do they give you more money to go all the way to the uh, end product and put the resources of the company behind you. But that whole thing is very close to what you have to do outside. And, uh, you know, in the big bad world, right, it's so hard to get a VC to even speak to you, right? You know, mm-hmm. they, they're a venture capitalist or any other investor. Whereas being inside the company you have a privileged position. And the other part of it, let's, be, uh, let's not be, uh, uh, I mean, let's be candid about it. If you're an entrepreneur and you fail in that venture that you started, you still have a job. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur and you fail, you know, you could be bankrupt, right? So there is that safety net, which, uh, you know, so these are some of the major benefits that an entrepreneur has in comparison to somebody you know, who's out there as a, as a, a raw entrepreneur, you know, who has to put um, stuff on his credit card, right? That's what many entrepreneurs successfully, uh, successful entrepreneurs tell you later. You know, I got through the worst parts of my journey by putting money on my credit card or, or, or taking money from a credit card or taking out a second mortgage or something. So that risk is significantly mitigated for an, for an entrepreneur. And that is, I think, one of the reasons why you know, many, many people like to do that. And, and uh, uh, what I suggest to my industry partners is, you know, I have this incubator, right? So you send your people here and give them a deadline. You know, by such and such time, three months, six months, whatever, you should have a, uh, a set of goals that you've met. And if you have not, we're sorry, we're going to pull the plug. You've got to come back and, you know, come back to your normal job. Something like that, which puts a little pressure on them. Because the downside of having this plan B, a safety net, is that you're less hungry in some sense than the, uh, uh, the raw entrepreneur, right? But it's a, it's, a, it's a trade-off. You know, there are plenty of pluses. There are some minuses. And my belief is that this entrepreneurship paradigm is going to become more and more prevalent in companies because they're all scared. You know, like, you know, you know of Yahoo, which is a very good company, right? And mm-hmm. you know, 20 years later, they're just gone because... It did not have this continuous churn of new ideas and new products and new, uh, you know, mini companies inside their company, whereas Google is doing rather well. Facebook is doing rather well. Because I think uh, there's a culture where they encourage entrepreneurship. So I think as a management paradigm, this is uh, a long way to go. You know, it's at its takeoff stage. So you'll see entrepreneurship become more and more important as you go forward. 
Thank you, Rajiv. I'm looking at the clock. We've got about a minute and a half till we go to our predictions round, but I want to briefly just read a couple of notes here from Siraj and then one or two from Lucky, even though we really won't have time for more than a one-sentence explanation. Uh, Siraj, I'm looking at the last note you sent me. You say, entrepreneurs know the rules and break them effectively. Can you just give me a quick interpretation of that so entrepreneurs listening to us around the world will know how how should they be breaking the rules and stay effective in that and, and still keep their job. So, Suraj, just take a minute for that, please. Sure. So, basically, one of the basic, uh, one of the biggest things which where an entrepreneur can add value to a company is they really understand how a company functions, right? They, they know in and out of what it does. But when you come up with new ideas, one of the things which is most important is you need to be able to circumvent what are the existing rules there. And that is what is one of the qualities which an entrepreneur can bring to the table, where they say, okay, I know that this is the way it does, but we can also do it in this particular fashion in order to get to the same results. So that is what I meant, that by their knowledge of the company and by their desire to get to where they want, they know how to see what rules could be applied, how they can be circumvented or bent in order to make sure that the relevant things are achieved. Thank you very much. And Lucky, I'm going to do the same for you. I'm picking one topic out of the hat here you sent me, and I love this statement. Lucky says, entrepreneurship is an attitude, not a department. It can become a secret weapon that makes extraordinary things happen for companies to challenge themselves and grow. Lucky, just give me a, a one minute on this. We're, we'll take a little time away from predictions, yeah. but I think that's what we've been doing. Go ahead, Lucky. It's absolutely, um, uh, it's an attitude. It's not a department. Um, this also kind of counters um, Rajiv's viewpoint because um, uh, one is uh, this bunch of guys uh, have this passion to excel and uh, somehow they want to excel and therefore the team they form as well has to have that kind of a quality. And there is so much of competition that happens within an organization, whether some of the names we already talked about and um, it's going to be pretty tough uh, to succeed to get some funding and then move along the entrepreneurship journey. So therefore, if you don't have the attitude, you are not there, as simple as that. And the whole team has to work towards a common goal, and they need to have that kind of a passion to happen. So therefore, I would say that uh, attitude is one of the secret uh, weapons for making uh, things happen. And uh, um, uh, uh, doing extraordinary things uh, which is not otherwise possible, adding to what Suraj said, um, one is you know what's there outside uh, uh, the opportunity which uh, a large organization cannot uh, uh, cannot move, being a big monolithic organizations cannot make the giant strides. Therefore, these kind of a small uh, bunch of uh, entrepreneurs can make that happen. They can be flexible, they can be, um, um, uh, they can be lean, they can be agile, and then they can move faster and... Um, Therefore, when they grow bigger and then, therefore, what happens is this kind of business can uh, naturally become an extension to the existing business and tomorrow the, 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 the existing business can uh, expand to the, uh, to the desired um, extent that they want it to be. So, therefore, I think uh, uh, the, if, you, if, if the people have the attitude and the company has that kind of a mindset, I think you're there. 
Thank you. Lucky, I'm going to take that as your prediction. If people have the attitude, the company has the mindset, you're there. That's going to go for your prediction because we're almost out of time. Rajiv, I'm circling around to you. I can give you exactly, let's say, 45 seconds because I know you're going to take a full minute. So predictions, Rajiv, go. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie, <laughs> I, I think uh, I see companies you know, evolving from being corporations to federations. And what I mean by that is a company will become sort of a conglomerate of small entrepreneurial ventures, you know, each of which uh, uh, is, is aspiring to create a large uh, position for itself. So that federation model is uh, tailor-made for entrepreneurs, and that's what I see coming up in the future. Thank you very much. And Siraj, I'm going to give you the same 60 seconds. That's all I've got. Give me your predictions, please. So I think uh, entrepreneurship is going to become more and more critical for companies going forward, simply for the fact that the, the amount of time a company can remain profitable or remain relevant is actually di- diminishing over a period of time. So there was an interesting stat which said it is 88% of the Fortune 500 companies in 1955 are no longer there, right? And now it is that that time span is much reducing over a period of time. So it becomes more important for companies to keep on doing breakthrough innovations, not just incremental, and this is where entrepreneurship comes into the picture, which it can marry even the corporate ethos into bringing innovation. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Lucky, I can give you a one-sentence prediction officially. Give me one sentence. What do you predict, Lucky? Go. Yeah, I believe that uh, entrepreneurship is another model of innovation, um, along with uh, many other uh, approaches. So my feeling is that many of the large corporates would adopt to this uh, to make themselves survive. Else, uh, this is going to be a big challenge for them to continue in the future. Thank you. That was your one sentence, and you did it so well. I appreciate it. Professor Rajiv, Suraj, and Lucky, such a pleasure to speak with the three of you. Your camaraderie, you're so congenial and so smart. We learned a lot. I learned a lot about entrepreneurship versus entrepreneurship. And I think the takeaway here is that companies that don't embrace entrepreneurship at some level, whether you have to put it in your job description for the next hire or just find those people with the raw energy and the creative rebellious spirit within and work with them, that's what you're going to need to survive. So a shout out again to Oski Olmez at SAP for putting together this great panel. Oski, you outdid yourself this time and wonderful topic and it was so much fun. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back at 2 p.m. this afternoon with another live edition of Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers talking about SMEs making your mark in social selling. It's not about you. It's about what the audience needs to hear from you. Give away the information and the sales cycle will be expedited or so my panelists will tell you so shout out to Justin and the business channel team and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today have a great one bye bye thanks again for tuning in to innovating innovation with game changers presented by SAP the best run businesses run SAP To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.